You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Booth Review. Welcome into a live edition of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. I am Ken Swanson. I'm here with my guy, Brandon McAnderson. BMAG, I couldn't even like check in and see how you were doing, how the fan was doing. I was too hyped to talk with you about Kansas football like right as I jumped into this chat. This is the most hyped I've been for a show in a while, my friend. Oh, my goodness. That's a, such an incredible performance. So many different things to talk about. So many uh, reevaluations that we're going to have to make as a result of the way the team is playing. I'm loving every second. Man, this is oh, I I was beaming after this game, dude. And like every they they continue just to exceed mile markers, right? And you know, like they they go off their four zero, they lose to Texas, right? The Jalen the Jalen Daniel situation, all that. They come out, they're one point underdogs, they're two point underdogs when it's all said and done. They're home dogs walking into this game against UCF. That's what the line was before the game started. And Kansas proceeded to just dominate an opponent that Vegas thought that they were going to lose to. But it was all said and done. The expectation, UCF, going to beat Kansas. Not even close. I was blown away by the dominant performance that Kansas put on UCF. And I think it just it changes your perspective about everything, I think. Absolutely. I thought that was my biggest takeaway from the Texas game was that this team is much more than Jalen Daniels. You know, last year it seemed like he had to be the straw stirrer for everything to kind of pull together to make work. Now, don't get me wrong. He still raises the ceiling significantly, but the floor is much, much higher. This is a more talented team. It's a deeper team. It's an older team. They're more focused on execution. They're more focused on details. I just hope you guys realize, I mean, pretty much every media pundit that voted picked Central Florida finished ahead of Kansas. Then you had the, the betting favorites, and Central Florida was again pushed ahead of Kansas. I think it's a team that people thought was is as good as any team in the country, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, when you're third and running the football behind Air Force and Army, I mean, you're running the football very successfully. Just not in Lawrence, just not last Saturday. I just thought they were incredibly impressive in that front seven. And uh, and then on the offensive line, it was just a mauling. Yeah. And, I mean, I so many things to talk about on both sides of the ball. And I think I want to start with the offense. Um, just because, well, I, there's, there's reasons to talk about both. But I I, I looked some stuff up, BMAC, and I, I tweeted this out right after the game, but here's some fun stats for you. Like, Kansas obviously dominated on the ground. Just an unbelievable performance running the football. Guess how many pass attempts Jason Bean had in the last 39 minutes of the game? Last 39 minutes of the game, I'm going to say one. He... <laughs> He threw three times in the last 39 three. minutes of the game. Like, that's ridiculous. It, I mean, like, that's just an absurd number. Just only three pass attempts. Kansas had twice as many touchdowns as they did pass attempts in the second half. Jeez. They went 
absolutely bonkers on the ground. An absolutely physical dominant performance. The backs were out. The Chiefs or the Jacks came right up against three three one hundred yard receivers or uh, rushers. Sorry, and I mean it's just like they just wore. They just grinded that team to a pulp, and it was just so impressive to watch this team just completely wear out another opponent. And I just it was the most beautiful thing I've watched in a while. It just it gave me joy. Absolutely. You know, and it wasn't just the, you know, this was coming into the game. Kansas offensive line, I think, was uh, in terms of averages, uh, rush average uh, before contact Mm -hmm. was already very high. I mean, I think they were top 10 in the country. So it was something we already knew. It was just that, man, when you have 180 pound defensive backs, uh, good luck tackling number 20. Yeah. I mean, because it's just it's not realistic. And not only that. In a league where that uses a lot of speed and uses a lot of uh, motion and tempo, a lot of teams like to match that with a nickelback. And Central Florida matched that with a nickelback. But what they're learning in the Big 12 is it's harder for your your sixth box guy to be a DB, especially against Daniel Ishaw. You know, even there's been games over the course of the last two years where I've thought, man, I wish Daniel Ishaw was playing, Arkansas being one of them. For that same reason, if your sixth box guy is a DB, he's going to have a hard time, or sixth, seventh guy, whatever you call it, that third uh, run player, whether it be a linebacker or safety. It's going to be very hard to tackle Ishaw and play that guy consistently. Well, and I mean, he's the, he's the guy that leads the Jayhawks and carries uh, in in this game. You know, they kind of just got into a stretch where they're, they're just kind of leaning on Daniel Ishaw a little bit. But, you know, 19 carries, 134 yards for Daniel Ishaw, two touchdowns. Just, I mean, just a physically overpowering performance in the run game. He's the guy that set the tone, you know, from the running back room. Dylan McDuffie, same kind of thing. Took the lo- took the load off of Devin Neal. Devin Neal, 12 carries, 154 yards and touchdowns. He only had the, he only had 12, 13 touches on the game. And I, you know, as a guy that, you know, we've seen him have to leave at halftime, have to go to the locker room early, has dealt with injuries throughout the season. An opportunity in the middle of the season. You know, while you're running the, you know, running a team into the ground, just for him to kind of get a break too, and then not have any drop off whatsoever between him and Highshaw and McDuffie, just, no. and just a, I mean, all three backs just, just, just imposing their will on this team, and then Neil running away, just like what an impressive performance from that running back room. Absolutely, you know, Devin has just he has mastered his tempo. He's mastered his patience, and he's got a lot of top-end speed to burn. So, and he's got—I mean, by confidence, I mean he's more patient in the man blocking stuff where they're pulling guys. But he's also certain he's going to shake a guy one-on-one. But that touchdown he scored—he was certain he was going to beat that guy and put that jab step outside, beat him, and then raced everybody to the end zone. That guy is very impressive, and it's not a true thunder and lightning because Devin's big. You know, he's like 208. So it's not like you're getting a small guy and a big guy. You're getting two big guys with different skill sets. And it, they're really complementary skill sets. And then you throw in McDuffie, who's really complementary to those two, because he's kind of your steady Eddie. He'll be physical. He'll get you five yards. If you're not careful, he'll bust one on you as well. So they just, it's a lot of options. And I love when they're out together. Also, shout out um, to 
Tory Lachlan, who played more receiver in this game, as a, specifically as a blocker. He, mm-hmm. There was a play late in the game where him and the Bitsky double teamed the guy to the back of the end zone. And I thought, man, only at Kansas and your center and your slot receiver double a linebacker to the back of the end zone. You know what? They just are so unique in personnel and movement. It's just awesome. And guys bought in. I mean, I think that's one thing. Like the receivers, 12 catches on the day, right? And you saw a lot of them give an outstanding effort in the blocking game still. And some of them didn't even get a target. And that's like I think that's one of the things that's so impressive from this team. Same with the tight ends. You know, it's just this group is committed to winning football games. They don't really care about some of the statistical outputs that end up for them, right? And I just, I'm, I, we can talk about the blocking. It's, it's the same mentality across the board. The blocking in this game was outstanding. And like, obviously, yes, they wore down a smaller team that is getting a welcome to the Big 12 moment in a big, big way. 399 yards on the ground that Kansas puts on the ground. Um, I I do think that, you know, the backs deserve some of the credit for the way that they read some of these blocking schemes. I think that that some of this untouched stuff, they do read it out. I think they do a great job reading it in the run game, but that's not the whole story because I think this offensive line, these tight ends, and this scheme have just, like, all of it is just so perfectly married to to see what we wound up seeing this week from uh, from Kansas offensively, yeah, schematically, right at the towards the end of the right before the punt return, I was like, uh, they're in trouble mm-hmm. because Central Florida was trying to figure out how they could kind of you know stunt some of these things, do some different things, and they were bringing edge pressure. And this is not a team you bring edge pressure in run game too. It's just not because you'll slant away from stuff. And what you started seeing, it was even a counter. First play of the game, they were at counter and it was a touchdown. And then they started running toss into the blitzes. And then it was just, a, it was a pick your poison thing. You had the one hander by Devin Neal and the screen pass that was away from a blitz. Like they are in full command. And this is a, another opportunity to, to be super grateful for Jason B, um, to be a guy that is adaptable that comes in and I thought he had a, a different chip on his shoulder from a leadership perspective. He was promoted to captain this game. He looked in complete control. I think one of the things that I liked that they were doing, and we can get into this here in a second, get very nerdy, but uh, 13 personnel was interesting because they ran a lot of mesh concepts with the two tight ends as a mesh and then mm-hmm. the, the third tight end as the dig, and they were open a lot, which I think what he's, he's trying to get it, uh, Jason, more opportunities to throw the ball over the middle, and it was no coincidence that he hit Trevor Cardell for a first down out there and short. Uh, he hit uh, Fairchild over the middle in that same kind of setting. So I think that's what we're going to start to see is an emerging play to Jason Bean's strengths, not because it's Jason Bean, but because this is what they do with every player on the team. They want to put them in the most the, the situation that they'll be most successful in. And I saw some things that I really like that they're starting to do with Bean. I will talk about that in a second because I got to sing some praises for being, and I have some thoughts on some of that that three tight end mesh too. But uh, we're obviously excited to be partnering with Home Field Apparel here at KC Sports Network. I'm rocking my Kansas Jayhawk look at it, shirt right now. It's kind of got that 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 old school KU vibe. I love it. Uh, but yeah, Home Field Apparel has all kinds of great KU selection available to you. No seats twenty three promo code No seats twenty three gets you fifteen percent off your order at Home Field Apparel. All kinds of great KU gear you can rock out uh, to uh, at at Memorial or into basketball season. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk more about Jason Bean right after this.
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at pxg.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. You know, BMAC, we've talked a lot about this team and in the offensive scheme about, you know, there's a lot of core principles. There's core principles that they stick to. There's simple things that they stick to, but the way they arrive at those helps create a lot of complexity within the offense, the shifts, the motions, and to your point, the personnel. And I think the idea of, you know, mesh is the most popular pass concept in college football. But if you're running out of it with three tight ends, that's just another way to arrive at some of the simple concepts of the game of football while getting creative with your choices on personnel, scheme, and all that stuff. 
I think that's a brilliant, I think that's a really smart thought. And I think it's a really smart approach, what you said with just giving being big targets over the middle of the field. But I think that's just a really smart decision when you're thinking about, hey, we can do it. We know how to do it. We got the dudes to do it. Let's make it work. It's not life-changing route concepts that are brand new. It's one of the, it's, you know, it's a simple concept, right? That's been around for a long time. And here we are. I think that's a really good point by you. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of Bill Self. Like when you watch, I know it's when you watch Bill Self and KU basketball, you can watch them for a week or two weeks. And eventually you arrive at the thought that, oh, what is going to go wrong? He's already thought about it. He's already has a plan for it. And that's kind of what I get from this Kansas football team this year is that these little things I start to think about, okay, what are the what could they do? you know, to kind of open this game up or what could they do to make this part of the game easier? They've already thought about that. You know, they know there is no holes in their evaluation of their own team. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think that's why this thing is just getting started. So, you know, you're going to love these players that we have now. There's going to be a whole bunch of them because this, this coaching staff is just able to put people in the right position to be successful over and over and over and over again. And like you said, the complexity is in the is in the structure, not in the not in what they're actually doing. It's how they're getting there, and that's what makes these things. Because we're talking about diversity in the run game, but they're running counter. They're running counter trade. The same counter trade you've been watching for thirty years. Oh, you're talking about uh, outside zone. They run wide zone. They do it very well. You know, inside zone. They do it very well. You know, they just can do a lot of different schemes very well. So they keep it simple, but they keep the complexity of the shell of what it is you know incredibly you know incredible i in like it's just kind of funny they lined up i don't even know how many plays but they were running i mean they two backs gun two backs little f you know f tight to the tackle and they how many times they line up in that this week i mean i mean like the whole second half you know, and they had a, they had a few different variations to it. They ran a few things out of it, but it's just like, you know, I, I think we, I think I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is like I'm I Andy Kolnicki, I think is the best off one of the best offensive coordinators in the country might be the best, and like you're seeing some of the people giving him credit and saying what he's doing at Kansas is the best coaching job, and I appreciate that, and like I I do think like they their variation while keeping things simple and a lot of the shifts and motions. There's so much good stuff that they do. But I also, I think, want to make sure we're giving credit to the kids that are executing it. And sure, coaching staff has developed these kids, but those kids all accepted the challenge. And I'm just blown away with the execution, not just the play calling these days. And Absolutely. This, this for the second half was about execution more than it was skeet. Yes, the Kansas had them in a blender schematically. But Kansas was also just, they were making their blocks with such consistency across the board. I just, I, it it really, it it, it got me really excited, especially on the offensive line. Absolutely. And and something I had wondered about last year was, um, you know, trigger warning for the nerdiness, but inside zone, they cut back a lot. You know, they almost ran it like a design cutback. They never got to the front side. And now they regularly get to the front side. And I don't know if that's a product of the offensive line or the product of the evolution of the coaching, or maybe they couldn't handle that version of it then, like you mentioned before. It's not just the blocking, it's their ability to read it. And what you're seeing is it was a beautiful front side inside zone that that, that nailed it, where 
Michael Ford Jr. just captured that outside shoulder, was climbing, pushing, turning. The, the, the vision of it was so beautiful. And then that back is not looking to come back as much as they were in the past. And now they can hit that front side seam and maybe pop one just because that's that as an inside zone runner myself, that was my favorite part is to manipulate the pieces so I could hit it front side because that's where I usually made the most hay. Um, so it's nice to see the evolution of the backs. And then, you know, we talk about everybody. You know, you could you could mention Pooley, you could mention Reed Adams, you could mention Nabitsky, Ford Jr. Kingwood has been incredible. But Jared Casey is a one of one. There's no one else like him in college football that I've seen that has the build of a fullback, the functionality of an H back, and the the contact balance and punishment of a three hundred pound offensive line. I mean, this guy can pretty much block any player in any situation. Last year was more about him being in space, but now you're seeing him inline blocking on the backside of inside zone. You're seeing him reach on outside zone. You're seeing him go in motion. You're seeing him be the tackle function on the counter trade. Like he's doing everything. It really, really expands your versatility when you have a player that doesn't have a blocking weakness. You can use his strengths all over the field. Well, and I'll just say, uh, Mason Fairchild's no slouch blocking either. That's the no. funny part. This isn't even like, like they just they have so many guys that are committed to blocking, committing to doing the work required. The chief, I mean, they 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 threw the ball twelve times. That's it. And this group just went out and blocked their butts off the entire game. Um, I do want to talk about those twelve pass attempts though. Um, I think I saw my favorite throw of Jason Bean's career. In this game, and it's probably not going to be like the flashiest moment. It's not the, the the bomb to Trevor Wilson that we've seen, but it was a little, it was just a small, subtle thing I noticed with him throwing the ball. Um, he's rolling to his left. It's a, it's like a corner, or a deep out, or something. It's a sideline route to Luke Grimm. It's not the one he layered up and down, which was nice. Don't get me wrong, but when he was on the run, he had to throw a little ball adjusted with some touch. Right. And it was a little bit more up and down than we've seen out of him. It wasn't the laser where, you know, especially when he gets out of the pocket, he really likes to try to drive a ball. But it yeah. was just this, it was a it was a little bit more of an up and down touch type throw. And that's the thing that I think if Jason Bean can do some of that kind of stuff a little bit more consistently, he's gonna move from a fifty-eight percent career passer to the sixties. Those are the kind of throws that I think he lets get away from him sometimes where he's just amped up or he's on the move and he wants to try to throw a, a strike. And he just kind of, he gave, he, he, he throttled down a little bit. He showed a little bit more control through the football and it was a beautiful little up and down. It, it wasn't even underneath anybody. It wasn't like he had to throw it over anybody. He just made an adjustment to the sideline to allow Lou Grimm to get underneath it and make a play. And that was such a big moment for me watching him. I went, huh? That that's different. Those are the things that are going to help him kind of grow as a quarterback. And it was just so great to see a moment like that uh, from him just kind of elevating as a passer. Absolutely. And those are the kind of things I really liked about the way that he performed, um, you know, could see, you know, six year players improving every day. And if you, you know, if you listen to Coach Z, he's mentioned that he has been the most improved player he's ever coached in football from the moment he got uh, from the first moment he coached him. But like you said, like, we talked about against Texas, his um, his option pat was much better and put more pressure on the defensive end. It got the it got the option pitch out quicker. Uh, his looking over the middle, I think they did things that move us out of the middle 
but he did use different kind of touch. He did use uh, different versions of arm strengths and arm angles because uh, everybody knows his deep ball and knows he has a fastball. But it was nice to see him do some different things uh, to throw that softball up to Luke Grimm and make him allow him to make the hands catch. So um, he's just a dude that just keeps getting better. I also noticed he's falling forward more. You know, there was a play where he ran option and he ran out of space. A hundred times in a row, the guys ran out of bounds. He didn't. He jumped over. He he kind of got to the uh, point of no return and jumped forward and got two yards. I like that. Um, he had that goal line. Uh, he had that run down the sideline where he kind of delivered a blow to a quarterback where he got him inside the to a goal-to-go situation. And then he had the quarterback sneak where he was just more head first. And it's like that's big because even on the, the play I mentioned on the left sideline, he took a second and eight to a third and four. And it, it wasn't a big play, but those are the plays that Jalen consistently makes to keep them on schedule and to make those third downs more manageable. If Jason can start to do that, it's going to really open up. It's going to really kind of mirror what JD does when he plays. And I thought he made great decisions with the football in the run game too. You know, and like I think you know, every now and then I'll have I'll look at it and go, eh, I don't know about that. But I think he was I think he was very consistent with his choices in the run game. And obviously I, I think some of the choices were taken out of his hands a little bit more than some of the other games we've seen in the past, uh, in recent memory. But like I still thought he made really good decisions with the football for the entirety of the game. And those are important things, you know, when you're trying to do what you do. And the one thing I, I thought they did a good job in the second half of kind of keeping Jason being out of harm's way too in the second half. You know, this is a game where, you know, you've got to try to they, they you know, they, they got to manage, you know, their quarterback situation. They don't want Jason Bean getting hurt. And, you know, he didn't have to do all too much, you know, with his legs in the second half. And they kind of kept him away. Um, and again, like they, they threw the ball twice in the second half, right? Like that's just a, I think that's just a big, um, I think it's a big thing, you know, moving forward is, it, it, you know, they're going to get him to Oklahoma State completely healthy in a bye week. And then, you know, you might be back at full strength in the quarterback room with Jalen Daniels. Who knows by then? You got a few more weeks to figure that out. But I just, yeah, I just, it was just such a solid performance across the board uh, for, from this Kansas offense. And it was a lot of fun. I'll say, I'll say this, the defense, well, they weren't no slouches either. And you want to talk oh, about yeah. physicality. You want to talk about yeah. setting a tone. You want to talk about all that. I thought that, I think this was the most complete game Kansas has played all year. Both sides of the Absolutely. football. And the offense was doing their thing and running it down their throats and running for 400 yards. But the defense, I, they don't need to get overshadowed either. And I think the thing, I want to start with this, and it's getting me so excited. This defensive line, what like they are so much better than I think anyone could have guessed. And it's deep, and you've got just you've got all kinds of capable bodies, and you're not seeing a big drop off, and they're playing with great effort. And they're playing with great physicality, and then they're making plays. And I just, I am just so impressed with this defensive line. And they were a huge reason why this team won this last week. Absolutely, man. Shout out to Bobby B. Array, my former teammate, the DB. We're gonna talk to these DBs. Don't you worry, Travis. <laughs> I like your, I like your idea. First offensive play in Stillwater ought to be a play action bomb down the field. We love to see a bean bomb down the middle of the field, maybe a deep post. That'd be awesome. Um, but ultimately, man, that uh, that defense line has been incredible. It's like you mentioned, you know, Patrick Joyner Jr. We never talk about him. Mm -hmm. When the game's on, you say his name about seven times because he's everywhere. He uses his quickness, his experience. He's just, uh, like you mentioned, he, who knows how many opportunities he's going to get in a game. Maybe 14 plays, maybe seven, maybe 12. You hear his name a lot. 
he's productive when he plays and that's yeah. what you really want dylan brooks is a guy that i mean we could be talking about like we're talking about austin booker in the future he's got the same kind of you know, not the specific skill set, but the same kind of raw ability that you're seeing from a guy like Austin Booker. So there's guys that, you know, and I think that is the part that's making me really happy about where this program is going is that you're starting to see glimpses of the future right now in the middle of a very good season. And kind of the way it's been in Kansas is it's always been a guy gets to the end of his career and then he's pretty good. Now you're starting to see these guys are pretty good early in this early in their careers. Like you can see Cornell Wheeler is the heir apparent at middle line. Mm-hmm. His explosiveness, his turnover, it's being able to, of course, turnovers, make impact tackles. You know that guy's gonna be around. Yeah. Oh, Jason Gilliam running down, chasing down that screenplay mm-hmm. from the back. This guy's six three. He's a guy as a true freshman, we were extremely excited about as a safety. Now he's bulked up and he's playing linebacker. You can see where when Craig Young moves off from Kansas, what who's gonna be replacing him. O.J. Burrow is incredible. O.J. is as good as the safety as we've had here. I mean, in, 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 in the recent future, his ability to react to the football, he very rarely misses tackles. Like, I'm just saying, like, this is not just about the now. You can see the future in this defense. And it was a team that wanted to respond, clearly wanted to respond after a letdown at Texas. You know, they don't want to talk about the heat because that's an excuse. But it was hot, and it did wear them down. But I love the way they answered the bell. They wouldn't stop one of the best offenses in the country with relative ease. And we're not talking about just running the football. Timmy McClain, I think, averages, I think he's third the nation in yards per completion. Like, he's a he is a pretty successful deep ball thrower. So you're looking at a team that took away all those things and had them digging through the playbook. I mean, it was like Harry Potter. They had them pages turn automatically. They were running double passes, double screens, repasses, double trips. I mean, it was an incredible defensive performance. And – the credit to the how well coached this this program is is how well they sniffed out that stuff too. Yeah, I mean, think about how minimal and how much of a minimal risk or how much they minimize the impact of some of those concepts that they tried to run, and that's just like that's a credit to this team. I have another guy I'm really excited to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, but I do want to mention this, and he's probably going to be playing in the NFL someday. And the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook hey. is hooking new customers up. With an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Yes, that includes the Chiefs game here uh, on Thursday night football. Whopping the Broncos here in a little bit. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5 on the NFL. That's code KCSN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and older, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. I had to go through that real quick. I was really hyped because I want to talk about Austin Booker, and this kid is just... Uh, he's gonna be a. This is the, the this is the kind of talent that 
you see in the league and you're seeing him grow before your eyes. It wasn't a ton of like hype and buzz about Austin Booker heading into this season. Like I think, you know, some of the commentary was he might be down the road. The ascent of this kid, game over game, week over week. I he is a he's a special player, man. And he's only a redshirt sophomore. And I mean, I'm not I'm not going to use these airways to say he has a decision to make this year. He's still got work to do. But I'm just I'm just, <laughs> I I think he needs some more time, but he don't like I think I think if he he's a, he's going to be he's a junior, so he's a junior eligible. I I don't think he's going to the league. But I think what will happen is next year this time next year, when the mock drafts start going off, you're gonna see you're gonna see him in those first couple rounds. Like I think this is the kind of talent that this kid possesses, and we'll see what his body looks like here a year from now, uh, too. But like I'm just the length, the athleticism, some of the pass rush moves that he's developing, kind of you know being able to cross the face of the tackle, you know, pressing up the arc, and then making plays when he's at or around the quarterback. I'm just like it's he's just he's a good football player, man. Yeah, that's the um his ability to get compact and explosive very quickly is unique to guys that play on Sunday. So that was the first thing that I noticed. You talked about, you know, he's a guy that I asked about in the spring, and it was more about, you know, like you mentioned, like that down the road we could see some things, you know, he's still learning. And that's what you gotta remember is he just got here. And he just he just got here in the spring. Went through a winter, went through a winter spring period, and then is is rocking out in this fall period. He's been incredible. The play I liked the most was the way he, you know, kind of hunted uh, their running back outside of the. It was on one of those trick plays. They ran a screen, and he kind of sniffed it out, hunted him down, and he stuck it. What was interesting about it is the guy he was hitting was five six. He's six six. It doesn't make sense that this guy's making contact with his shoulders to his hips. And I interviewed him after the game. He's six six. I'm, I'm uh, holding the mic up like this, man. He's a uh, he's a specimen, man. His explosion and ability to complete and finish, his ability to finish plays is it's just incredible, man. And it's just kind of wild to me that, and like I think this is just speaking to this entire program. And like I think Austin Booker, another year here, he's going to be an absolute monster. He's going to be a first team All Big Twelve candidate. He's going to be on a lot of watch lists and all that stuff next year. He's going to have a really high profile year in a lot of like the draft community. I genuinely believe that. Um, but I think what's so cool, and I think this is, I think this is what's so noticeable about this program this year. Is you know Lance Leipold and company are in here. This is their third season, but they've been here. I was doing the math. It's been what twenty eight months since he's been here, right? I mean, they, he got here in May of twenty one or something ridiculous like that. And it's just the developmental development of these kids to create depth in this program is remarkable. And I look at the defensive side of the ball and there's just no drop off between some of the first and second team players. And they have so many bodies that they're able to throw in. That's the thing that's going to separate them and give them the ability to compete the rest of the season. And the reason that they wore teams down like UCF and the, you know, the reason that they are sustaining the success that they have over the course of the season is they have playable depths. Specifically, I look at, I mean, it's both sides of the ball. Don't get me wrong. But the the growth of the depth and the, the development of the players on that side of the football is so is so wildly impressive, and it just it's so exciting. 
And and I think this week, the way that this team played, I thought was outstanding. And, you know, Taiwan Burials, I he's not I don't think he technically starts anymore, right? Yeah. And like great. and he, yeah, I mean, but we just really look and we're just like, you know, like these are these are good problems. These are these are champagne problems. These are top twenty five football problems. You know, when you've got depth and you got players you're looking at going, man, he's not even starting. You know, and you're looking at, you know, some of these guys and it's just it's so impressive the depth that this team has found and developed. And I just it's it um we're talking about Hayden Hatcher and, and Jeremy Robinson are injured and we don't know the status of them, but you feel like you can hold down okay, you can hold the fort okay with the kind of defensive end depth that you've had. Absolutely. And that's the you know, last year we were so dependent on Lonnie to create opportunities that, you know, you'd be looking out on the field and be like, Man, where's Lonnie? We really need Lonnie. And it's been amazing that, you know, we've not missed him, you know, as much as we had thought we would. We've not missed him at all. And the group has actually improved. And that's not even a slight against it. It just talks about how much that room has grown. And I'll take it a step further than you did. You talked about uh, having quality depth and not having a drop off. I think it's starting to become something else. It seems like, you know, guys are bringing different things to the table. How about mm-hmm. Keenan Caldwell? who's just started to really emerge. And he's a, you know, he's a guy that you just don't even talk. Taylor is starting to get more opportunities. You're like, Hey, Keenan Caldwell again. And you're like, wait a minute, where did he come from? You know? And it's just like, it's, it's possession. It's position after position, possession after possession, you know, guys like Jalen die. I'm excited about him as I am. And some of the guys we just mentioned, and we haven't got to see it yet on Saturdays, but we've seen it in the practice, but we've seen in spring. He's going to be a very nice player. So it is just, it has become a team full of debt, a team that has an awesome opportunity on the road to really, to really solidify what this season might be able to become. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a second. I, one more comment. I just think with one of the staples of Lance Leipold teams is their teams don't stop improving just because the season starts. They are a team that develops in a diff, like it just feels like how they develop is different, even like in season than some of the other programs, right? And yeah. I feel like you you can't make a, dis- a definitive statement of what a kid is in week one. You know, like there's there's marginal improvements for some, but it just feels like there's a rapid growth for some of these kids. And it's the competition, it's the culture. You know, these guys are fighting to get on opportunities, and that's only going to help this program yeah. is continuing to raise that bar with the competition. And that's why you're seeing, like, I think you're seeing that in the defensive line room that, you know, credit to Jim Panagos and that staff for helping push and develop that group of defensive line because you're talking, they're coming out of the woodworks to get on the field. And like, guys. And that's, and that's a valuable thing to have. And it's good snaps to have. And like, it makes you feel confident about their ability, you know, to sustain a, you know, a big 12 schedule that's going to test the depth of your football team the way UCF's finding out right now. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Oklahoma State. This is obviously just big picture. You know, we talk like it feels like every game is a mile marker. Every game is a another you know big box for this program to check. And like they don't have to, they don't have to prove anything to anybody at this point. This is a good football team that you know has established that. But this is a chance to go on the road, ranked against you know against a Big Twelve team and try to you know, as as a favorite. And that's just a wild concept to to think about right now as a road favorite in the Big Twelve, and it's Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State looked like they found their footing a little a little bit against Kansas State. Um, I I don't want to go too far as to say that like Oklahoma State's problems are solved. Like I think K State definitely 
helped them out plenty in that game. Um, but they, they're starting to find a little bit more identity offensively. Um, and I think their defense played pretty well against Kansas State last week. This is a big challenge for this team. Absolutely. They, I mean, Oklahoma State has talent. We all know they recruit well, so that won't be a, that won't be in question. I do think that they found more more stability at quarterback than they had previously had with Bowman being just being a more experienced player. So I think that's kind of what settled them. But like you said, I don't think it's raised their ceiling significantly as much as it stabilized them. And you know, maybe down the road it will. So I don't think that we're catching them at a bad time. We're actually probably catching them at a good time uh, to have an opportunity to go home to 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 win on their home field. I think it's a big opportunity. And this is a team that's won on the road, the big 12 before, you know, winning at West Virginia last year. Um, so they have been able to finish some of these games. And I think they're going to have to, uh, you know, personnel wise, I like the matchup. You know, I, one of the things we didn't mention was I love the, uh, I love the Craig Young defending that slot fade, you know, again, against their fastest player, because that I is whatever. it's a sign that like, Hey, that ain't gonna work here. And, you know, and I think that's the kind of versatility yeah. That they have on defense and it kind of you don't worry about the matchup as much you know you worry about can they execute the game plan that's in front of them and i think kansas i think kansas can now execute oklahoma state for sure like they definitely have like i think stability is a great way of putting it and early in the game you know they were utilizing gordon ollie and brendan presley the wide receiver and the running back and i feel like you know presley specifically was getting the ball a lot early for oklahoma state it felt like it kind of slowed down the second half kansas state kind of tried to slowly you know try to try to mitigate that a little bit running game took over a little bit with 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 uh or ollie you know uh ollie gordon um i think that's you know i think that's gonna be you know those are their two playmakers i don't think i'm overly impressed with the entirety of their of their skilled players but those two definitely are, are something to watch for sure Alan Bowman is the quarterback that they finally settled on. And yeah, I, I think stability is the right word there for him. I think it's just going to be, it's, it's execution again, right? It's, it's knowing, it's, it's knowing where the playmakers are. It's, you know, it's, it's keeping everything in front of you and tackling. Well, tackling is going to be an important piece of this game as it is every game. But I think just forcing Oklahoma state to drive the length of the field making good tackles and, and force them to be down in down out consistent is going to be a good thing for this team. Absolutely. You know, they want to come out and challenge these guys. I think that defense sent a message last week with their performance, um, you know, cause Oklahoma state wants to be a tempo zone running team. That's what they want to be. That's kind of what they've always been. And Kansas showed really well against central Florida. So I expect that to carry over uh, down to Stillwater and man, no limitations to what this team can be. I think this is a C a, a ceiling reevaluation if they can win this football game. Because if you look at their schedule, you don't really feel like there's no one they can beat. You know, if you look at last year when they played OU, everything went wrong. And then you looked up in the third quarter and they were down by 10. So this is not a team that I think is going to look at OU and think, oh, this is impossible. You know, so I think this is this is a team that's the something you're fan. And it would be very nice to, to win on the road, go into your bye week and have the biggest game of your careers sitting right there. yeah i just we could we've dreamed a little bit on this on this on this program we dreamed before texas but um i just yeah I, just imagine what what the booth will be like against oklahoma if this team can pull off this win against oklahoma state coming out of the bye and that's a great opportunity for this team to get right get healthy who knows what the situation is at quarterback by then but it's just it doesn't matter doesn't matter 
I, I, the way that, I mean, Jason Bean's almost beat Oklahoma before. And I'm not looking ahead to Oklahoma, so don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, dreaming a little bit about what that kind of game could be here in Lawrence, Kansas, in a few weeks, if Kansas can pull this off. It's a, yeah, it's another just just continuing to raise that bar, continuing to challenge this program to newer heights, and and continuing to, I mean, you know what? Kansas is back to being one of those darlings of college football again. Uh, but I want to I want to say something. They're not a they're not a good story anymore. They're just a good team. There's a good football team. They're a good program, and it's happened faster than anybody imagined. But they're just a good football team, and it's fun to watch. And I can't wait. Um, is there anything anything offensively you think Kansas needs to do keys to the game? Yeah, I just I want to answer the question from my man Travis because he's been super involved. We appreciate you. He asked about the uh, the receiver group and if there are you know there is an issue with them. I don't see one. Um, I think this has just been a much different season. I don't think they've been as reliant on their outside passing game. And I think that the wide receivers have suffered from uh, the switches in rhythm, you know, from switching quarterbacks often. Um, and I think they're just going to figure that part out. I don't see them having any issues there, you know, and we'll see when they have to lean on it. But last year when they had to lean on it, they had to lean on it more often. They had a lot of success. And now that their offensive line is much improved, you know, and Daniel Heishaw is a guy that we lost midway through last year, then there wasn't a guy as good as McDuffie to step in. So there was a there was a team that just did couldn't rely on the run as much as they would have wanted to um, that can now. Well, I say like you know twelve pass attempts, but you know L.J. Arnold touchdown. You know he gets the big touchdown down at the goal line, and then Luke Grimm came up with some big catches too, some really impressive catches down the sideline, the corner route, that little out route or whatever we want to call it earlier as well. Uh, big time catches for this team. So like they still were there when they need him, and that that's kind of impressive in itself. You're only getting twelve, you know, you're only getting the ball twelve times, but you're still able to kind of have that kind of focus to be able to make those plays when you need it. It's it's a credit to that group. It's just a credit to this team. Like they're just they're executing at a ridiculous play pace, and they're gonna have to continue to do it this week for sure. Are, are there any big storylines that you are watching though on that offensive side of the ball against Oklahoma State? No, I'm just excited to see what they come up with, man. And I want to see it. I mean, it's you know they've been, I mean they've been so multiple that they've not been the same game to game. Yeah, you know, like Illinois, they were extremely balanced. You know, and then they'll sometimes they'll lean on the pass. You know, the the game against Nevada was such a strange game that they ended up just to pound out first downs and win the game that way. So they just have done it different, and I'm just excited to see what they come up with for uh, this Oklahoma State defense, which is which is talented. It's talent. I still, I think, I, I, I think they'll try to run the ball a little bit. You know, I still think it'll be a, a run-heavy game. I choice-wise, I, I don't know. We'll see what what the run scheme even looks like. But I do think they'll continue to try to run the ball a little bit because that is just a that's a difficult identity to to try to go up against. And you heard you heard Mike Gundy. It's kind of Mike Gundy said. You know, it, it, it's almost like playing against a triple option team. Is, yeah. is kind of the quote that Mike Gundy gave about what Cole Nicky has done with this offense. And like, obviously there's, there's option elements, but it's that diversity, multiplicity and, and execution that a triple option team presents to you that can be so tricky. And that's what, I mean, Kansas is running rot, ran wild all over UCF. So um, it's going to be a big challenge for, from an, it's, a, it's an execution game as it always is. I think in any game that Kansas is going to be playing. And uh, I think I feel good about their ability to out execute. So, I'm going to predict Kansas wins 31-23. 
Uh, and I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a good day for the Jayhawks and, and the momentum for this program just skyrockets and, and things get wild after that. What's you, what, what kind of prediction you got for this game, B-Mac? I'm going to throw 38-24. Okay. Um, I think that their offense is going to start to open up a little bit. We talked a little bit about the receivers, but one thing I thought was interesting is they went back to taking those shots at Skinner and he got very close to pulling that in. I mean, this is a tall, lean, fast man from a, from a route perspective, he doesn't do a whole lot yet, but he can still open you up with that speed and give you some opportunities with that jump ball that uh, that Bean throws very well. I think this defense will be up for the challenge. You saw last week they definitely were. I think they'll be even more eager uh, to step in and make plays. I- I'm looking forward to, to a Jayhawk W. Yeah, BMAC just said Quentin Skinner is getting a tutty today is what I heard this weekend is what I heard. So oh, uh, That's still cute. It's time, baby. All you DraftKings folks out there might want to pay attention to that one. That is going to do it for this episode of Booth Review. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Peace. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.